0: The first reading is from 1 Colossians uh, verses 1 to 8, which is found on page 1,232. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is the faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit.
1: and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. one way or another we all want to see lives transformed we want to see lives changed for the better where the people are in poverty and we want to see them have enough where the people are in danger and we want to see them safe where the people are lonely and we want to see them in relationship. We all want to see uh, lives changed for the better, lives transformed. And we think, don't we, that just the right education, just the right new technology, uh, just the right changes in our community will make it happen. Tonight, I want you to see that God is the one who transforms lives, that he knows how to do it, That he is doing it. I want you to see that and be excited by it. And what's more, I want you to want to see it happen more and be prepared to change. Well, the Colossians had certainly been transformed. Have a look there at the end of our passage in verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Here is the amazing transfer that God has done for them. From the dominion, the rule of darkness. Like we saw last week in Ephesians 2, they were alienated from God because of their evil behavior. They were dead in their sins. And God has rescued them, he's transferred them out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom, the rule of the son he loves. He's reconciled them and made them alive with Christ. He's transferred them from the dominion of darkness under the devil to the kingdom of his son. It's like the refugee from Pakistan that I heard on the radio this week. He was under persecution in Pakistan, the dominion of darkness. He travelled over the sea, hoping for deliverance, and got all the way to Australia. And we put him in the dominion of darkness on Manus Island. He was there for four years in darkness. And finally, he's come not to Australia, but to the United States. He's been transferred from darkness into a new dominion. But not only has God transferred the Colossians from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of the Son he loves, he's not only transferred them, he's transformed them. You see, at the beginning of our passage, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. It's easy to skip over that verse, don't you think? These things seem standard for Christians. What else would be true of Christians? Faith in Christ Jesus. As we saw last week, it's about faith alone being a Christian and loving other Christians. That's normal but it's not normal. That is an amazing transformation that has happened for the Colossians. They were alienated in their evil behaviour. They were dead in their sins. They probably worshipped foolish Roman pagan gods like the emperor. And now they have faith in Christ Jesus. They love his people. That is an amazing transformation. This is not just a good refugee fleeing persecution who's moved to a new location with new citizenship. No, this is a bad refugee, a Taliban fighter, if you like, who is not only forgiven but transferred to a new kingdom and given a new life. And is transformed, where he adopts the values and becomes a model citizen of this new kingdom. It's that sort of an amazing transformation. God has transferred them, he's transformed them, and he is transforming them. Do you notice in verse 9 he says, For this reason, because God has transferred you, because he's transformed you, we pray that he will go on transforming you. That you will be filled with the knowledge of God, that you live a life worthy of God, that you please him in every way. This is not aiming low, is it? Please God in every way, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. God has transformed them. He's transforming them. It is an amazing transformation that God has done in the Colossians. When I was a kid, there was a superhero called Banana Man he's not one of the main banana man's uh banana superheroes sorry and i noticed that they haven't come out with a marvel uh, blockbuster movie yet it was one of those three or four minute cartoons in between the main shows on abc who was banana man in real life he was eric an ordinary boy called eric quite nerdy actually but when he ate a banana an amazing transformation took place. And he became a superhero, able to defeat the bad guys and rescue the good guys. Now you might be wondering why I still remember Banana Man. I imagine that people from my generation, probably most of them don't remember Banana Man. He has gone through to the keeper because he's not worth remembering really. But in my family, he became a metaphor, an image, a way of describing my dad. Because most of the time, my dad was pretty stingy. If we got an ice block, it would be a lemonade ice block at 15 cents, and that was the limit. I know you find that hard to believe, young people. But when we went on holidays... An amazing transformation took place. Suddenly his wallet was open and he was a big spender and you know what we called him on our holidays? Banana Man. An amazing transformation took place. But that is a stupid way of comparing the Colossians, isn't it? God has done an amazing transformation in their life. He's transferred them from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He has transformed them so they have a faith in Jesus and he is transforming them. How has he done it? No, it had nothing to do with bananas. Chapter 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Why were they under the dominion of darkness? Not just that they were dead in their sins, but under the rule of darkness. Why was it that the ruler of darkness, the devil, held sway over them? Because of their sin. There was a written code against them that said, You belong to the devil. He held it in front of God and said, This one is mine. And what has God done to transfer them from that kingdom to this kingdom of the Son he loves? He has cancelled that written code. He's paid for it and ripped it up. How? He nailed it to the cross. How has God done this amazing transformation? By the death of Jesus. As we saw last week with grace alone, it is done by Jesus. But how did he do that for the Colossians? How did it come to them? How did it work for them? Come back to verses 5 and 6. You heard about this in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. How did this amazing transformation come to the Colossians? The news of Jesus' death came to them. And when it came to them, it bore fruit. They heard it, they learned it, they understood it, and it bore the fruit of faith, faith in Jesus. And so they were transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. But not only did it bear fruit on that day, it kept on bearing fruit. Do you see that verse 6? Since the day you heard, it transformed you to give you a love for the saints. And verse 9, it will go on bearing fruit. What role does the gospel have in transforming Christians? Well, can you see it there in verse 9? We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, of his plan, of the gospel. Because when you have that filled in your mind, you will be transformed more and more. How did this transformation happen for the Colossians? Through the death of Jesus, through the news of the death of Jesus. And who takes the credit for that? Who made all of this happen? Verse 13, he has rescued us. God. Who does he thank? Verse 3, God. Who does he pray will do it? God. God is transforming lives through Jesus to his glory. And I want to simply ask, can you see this? Can you see it in the lives of the Colossians, what they were like and what they have become? And not only the Colossians here, but the life of Paul. Think about that for a moment. He was in the domain of darkness, surely, and he's been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. He hated Jesus, and now has faith in Jesus. He hated Christians, and now he loves Christians. God transformed the Colossians and Paul, and he says here, God is transforming people all over the world. Was that true? We've only got to flick around this part of the New Testament to see it's true. Who does Paul write to? The Romans. They're in Rome. The Corinthians, the Philippians, the Galatians, the Ephesians. In each of these places, God had transformed lives. And this transforming thing is not like some visit to the pioneer village where you see how people used to live and what used to happen to them. No, it's been happening ever since, hasn't it? In the Reformation, God changed people's lives and he's doing it today. In your life, if you're a Christian, he has transferred you into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He's transformed you to give you faith and love for Christians and he's transforming you. He's doing it for the people around you and he's doing it all over the world. I got a letter from Anglican Aid asking for money this week. They were asking to support the training of pastors in Africa. Why? Because the growth of the church in Africa is phenomenal. In the last 100 years, the church has gone from 10 million people to 100 million people. God is transforming lives through Jesus. He did it back then and he is doing it today. And I'm simply asking you, Can you see this in your own life and in the lives of others? We get so distracted in what we can see, don't we? So consumed by our day-to-day lives as the things we've got to get done, our to-do list, the pressures that we feel. We get so distracted by the things we're excited about other things happening in our own family say or the new computer or phone that we might buy or our property and how we're developing it or how our business is going or our studies and where they might lead us we get so distracted by the exciting things of life and we get so distracted by how far away our society is moving from its Christian roots and we think that the whole thing is falling apart And we lose sight of the main game. What is God doing? Not maintaining our society and failing at it, you might say. He's transforming lives through Jesus to his glory. And I'm asking, can you see it? Not only can you see it, but do you want to see it happen more. We want to see so many things, don't we? Up to a couple of weeks ago, a lot of us really wanted to see rain. That was the biggest thing we wanted to see. Some of us have come here from across the world, some people have rather, to see a game on horses where you hit a ball into a goal, I think. Polo. Some people, many of us, really want to see a second bridge at North Richmond. Wouldn't that be good? Some of us want to see us win the Ashes for some reason. We want to see our children grow up. We want to travel around the world, many of us, to see things. But what do you want to see more than anything else? It must be this, to see lives transformed through Jesus to his glory, your own life and the lives of others. And not just what each of us want to see, but what do we as a church want to see? Is it a new building? Is that what we most want to see? More people giving money so that we meet budget each year? Is that what we want to see? Every roster filled so everything gets done? They're all good things, aren't they? They would all contribute to this. But the main thing that we want to see needs to be lives transformed through Jesus to his glory, for that will drive everything else we do whether it's cleaning or teaching scripture or providing supper here on Sunday night, whether it's connecting with outsiders and sharing Jesus with them, whether it's mowing the lawn or praying here in church or giving our money or welcoming people, why do they matter? Why do we do them? What will guide us in doing them? It's this, we want to see lives transformed through Jesus to his glory. That will drive us in everything we do and stop us doing other things. Yesterday I drove for two hours, and with two of my children we walked for five, sorry, four hours. Why, you would ask? We got nowhere except came back home again at the end of it. Because we wanted to see. We wanted to see the expanse of the Blue Mountains. We wanted to see the extraordinarily beautiful waterfalls of Wentworth Falls and the surrounding area. We were motivated to do things, to work hard, to feel tired, because we really wanted to see it. That's what we need, isn't it? Do you really want to see lives changed through Jesus? Well, you might be thinking this is all too hard and really it's not for me, it's for the professionals or the leaders. Yes, God is transforming lives through Jesus, but he must do it through special people. Well, there's one more thing to notice. Who's the who here? Who brought the gospel to the Colossians, who did God use to do that to transform their lives? Paul tells us in verse 7. You learned it, the gospel, from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Was it through Paul that they heard the gospel? No, he'd never been there. It was through this guy called Epaphras. Now, as soon as I say Epaphras, you think, there you go. An expert, a consultant. He's got a weird name, clearly. He's not an ordinary person. He's a special person. But you'd be wrong. Turn to chapter 4, verse 12. He is not special. He is not weird. He is not an import. He's not even a missionary to the Colossians. Chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras is one of you. He was travelling for some reason. Perhaps he met Paul. He heard the gospel, was transformed, took the gospel back home. On his own, I imagine. And spoke it to the people that he'd grown up with. He's an ordinary guy. He's one of them. And that ought to sound like us. And that fits a lot with what Paul says in chapter 4 to the Colossians, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. God is transforming lives through Jesus to his glory and he does it through ordinary people. Every year, Apple launched their new iPhone. You don't get to be the biggest, richest company in the world by just sitting back and hoping people keep on buying your products. They have to launch a new one every year with a new number. And so they have a great launch. And the CEO tells us, holds up the phone, it's on a big screen, and tells us the amazing features and how they will change your life. This changes everything again. Not having a headphone jack will revolutionise everything. It will be wonderful For you, they set a vision of the future and where we are going. It's exciting for some people. Today is a little bit like that. I'm setting before you our church's new vision. I get it that it's a new vision, it's an old vision with new words, but it is exciting. And I want you to see, actually, that it's so much better than an iPhone. It actually matters. And it will actually work for longer than two years. But there's one other difference that I want you to see between the launch of our vision tonight and the launch of the iPhone. When they launch the iPhone, they talk it up. They talk up the great leaps and bounds that they've done since the last iPhone, which they said was really good as well. What they don't do is tell you the negatives. We really wanted to fit this into the iPhone this year, but we didn't manage it, and so we might manage it next year, and maybe you should wait to buy that one. They don't do that. They don't talk about the things they didn't manage to do. They don't talk about the negatives. Well, I am talking up the vision today. God transforms lives through Jesus to his glory. It worked back then. It works today. But I need to be honest. We need to be real about this. We are not there yet. It doesn't all work yet here in our lives individually and as a church as a whole. You'll see that as you go through the sort of report card that is that booklet. We've set a whole stack of goals for our mission 2020 under those four priorities and we've been honest about it and told you how we're tracking with those things. And most of them, I need to be honest with you, have gone backwards, not forwards. Please have a read and see and think and pray about that. More personally, I really wanted today at each of the services to interview someone. Interview someone who'd been transformed through Jesus. Transferred and transformed in the last couple of years through our church someone who had been made a disciple that we had connected with and shared Jesus with and they had been transferred and transformed. I really wanted to talk with them and you could see their story and be excited about that and see that it's happening. And I didn't find anyone to interview. And I'm discouraged about that. And in a sense, I want you to be discouraged about that. See that God does it, for he's doing it in each of our lives. He is transforming us. But it does seem that in terms of making disciples of Jesus, perhaps we are not connecting with people and we are not sharing Jesus with people. It's worth asking the question, isn't it? It's worth asking the question because if we really want to see lives transformed through Jesus to His glory, then something needs to change. Some things need to change. Do you, can you see that God transforms lives through Jesus? Can you see that He's doing it in us? Do you want to see it more? And are we prepared to change? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you transformed the lives of the Colossians, that you transformed the lives of the life of Paul and people right around the world at that time. We thank you that you've been doing it in the centuries since, and that you're doing it right here in us and amongst us. Father, we pray that you'd help us to see that and to be excited by it. And Father, we pray that you would change us so that we want to see it happen more. We thank you for the opportunity to be honest about where things are up to and how we are going. Please give us this desire that wants to see lives transformed through Jesus to his glory and so be prepared to change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.